What's up, everyone? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ryan. Alongside me, co-host Keith. On this episode, we have a good friend, Kyle Travis, former Marine, EOD tech, now freelance photographer. Come sit with us at the debrief table. Without further ado, let's dive into it. That was good. <laughs> Kyle, what's up, brother? Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for, thanks for joining us. So, uh, Kyle, former Marine. EOD Tech, right? EOD Tech. Kind of met through Josh, who was previously on our show. Um, I'm assuming that's how you kind you heard you heard about his uh, time on the podcast, and you that is true. That is correct. Decided to look over and 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 uh, look over the the product that we were kind of putting out there. No, I just like the way uh, you guys had uh, awesome conversations with not just. The typical people. You've had various conversations with different people, and uh, also it's a different perspective. And uh, I like to have conversations with people who are not in my direct bubble. So this gives me another perspective, and hopefully a lot of other people also. Absolutely. Uh, I would say that it's it's been kind of entertaining the people that we have had on. Yeah, absolutely. And even our my as a matter of fact, I've loved every person that's come on the show, but our last conversation with. Marcus and about Joe Rogan is probably by far my favorite episode that we've ran because we did put that dialogue out there that we had different opinions, but we were able to have a good conversation and common ground Yeah, and kind of, you know, Hey, you hear where we're coming from and I hear where you're coming from and we can agree that, yeah, it is a problem. And, you know, so that, that was motivating. And, uh, that was nice. That was probably one of the better conversations I've heard out there yeah. uh, recently. And that's cool. why I'm super glad to be here because that just inspires more people. Absolutely, man. I know uh, when you – because you, you had been uh, riding me on uh, our Instagram page just about information. Uh, and we'll, we'll kind of dive, dive into, but more specifically, when Ukraine was starting to pop off, you were uh, kind of passing information about like, hey, this – what's going on in, in weapon systems that they're using and, and this and that. And, uh, it made me want to dive in more. And then finally, uh, you know, you wrote me and kind of asked like, Hey, how do we pick who comes on the, on the podcast? And I was like, dude, anybody and everybody, I yep, don't care who it door. is. <laughs> open door. Well, I didn't know if there was a lineup or a line. I had to like sell a finger online or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll get there case, one day. In, in that case, after this episode, just go ahead and mail that. Yeah, we'll do it live here. We'll, you know, there you go. So, tell us a little bit about your. Give us a brief rundown of uh, your background. All right, so um, I'm born and raised in Richmond, Virginia. I joined the Marine Corps when I was 18 years old. Literally, June 6th, I. I Turn 18, July 2nd, I was in boot camp. Um, and just a little input, when I was 15, I was in vocational school for firefighter and EMS, for EMT. I got my EMTB through that. So you get firefighter one, firefighter two, and EMTB. Anyway, oh, so okay. 18, joined the Marine Corps, uh, became a... 7212 lag gunner, low altitude air defense, which specializes in steering missile employment. And after that, I became an explosive ordnance disposal technician. I did that for eight years. 
And then I retired in December 31st, 2019. Oh, and you're you're fresh out. Yeah, so it's been so three you and, years. Two you years. and Josh Yeah, you and Josh got out around the same time. Yeah. I think so. We kind of parted ways. We were at the same unit together and then we kind of split. And that yeah, so I don't know when he got out exactly. Yeah, I, I think remember. it was either 2016, 2018. I want to say it's 2018. It was 18 because <clears throat> you asked him a few times about how long he was in, and then we we had mixed up the numbers. So he, it was 18, yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, get out 2018. 2019. 2019. Like December 31st. Yeah, so to December 31st, 2019. So January 1st, I'm a free man. Uh if you remember these dates, this is right when the pandemic started to happen. Right? Oh, dude. So okay. imagine being free and then everyone being, yeah. you're not free. Yeah, right. <laughs> not so free. Yeah. Oh, so that, that sucks. Was, yeah, that was wild. That sucks oh. to get out and think like, oh, no more rules. <laughs> no more, no more, no more bosses. Okay. Stay home. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. And you're in, you're in North or South. You're in North Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. So I'm in Sneeds Ferry, North Carolina, which is right next to, if you want to be real with it, Camp Lejeune and pretty close to Wilmington, North Carolina, if you think big cities. Okay. And where are you originally from again? Richmond. Richmond. Okay. Uh, Virginia. So um, did you just leave and you're just like, yeah, I'll make, I'll make North Carolina home. No. So when I joined the Marine Corps, you go to boot camp, and then I went to MCT, which is Marine Combat Training here in North Carolina. And they send you to your MOS school. And then at your MOS school, you get to pick which base you get to go to, if you're good enough or if there's the ability to even pick. Luckily, there was either uh, Cherry Point, North Carolina, or Camp Pendleton, North Carolina. Yeah. I was like, I'm going as far away from this place as possible. I'm going to Camp Pendleton, <laughs> so I went to Camp Pendleton. That's where I got stationed at Third Lab Battalion, Lowell. Oh, okay. So you weren't you weren't 29 Palms material. No, we didn't have 29 uh, Palms for that. That's where Lad is now stationed at. It's actually 29 Palms. Really? Yeah, um, but for us, it was actually probably one of the best places on the face of this earth. Quick funny story is. A Saturday morning, we've been there since 2 o'clock in the morning because we had a recall. So at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, you get called and you go, hey, you're coming in and getting, you're getting breathalyzed, you're getting piss tested, everything. At 2 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you're not here now, you're getting NJP. By the way, that's not how the rules work. No. <laughs> you have a 24-hour period to make it back to your place of business. If you're on, if you're on, on liberty. Yeah. You're on leave. You have a little bit more time. Yeah. But you're a boot. I'm a Lance Corporal, Lance Criminal, as I like to call us. Lance Criminal. Uh, and so sunrise is happening. You're standing there, and it's called Mass Three, and it's the, the highest peak on Camp Pelton, I think, on the eastern coast where you can see the ocean, and you can see the entire coastline of the of California. It's beautiful. I remember standing there going, man, this place is beautiful. Too bad we work in a shithole. Because <laughs> <laughs> the command climate was horrible. That was like our third time in a month. Really? Oh, yeah. They ended up getting relieved. Damn. 
There's um, a lot of toxic stuff that happens in the Marine Corps. We'll talk about that later date, but that's a little <laughs> snapshot of. <laughs> I know it's so funny because I could I could sit here and be like, oh yeah, no, I believe you, but uh, our civilian listeners want to hear this stuff, so it's it's definitely one of those. And you know what? I'm tired of not talking about it. I'm yeah. tired of hiding it. I want to tell everyone the brutal truth, the good and the bad, and you take what you can from it. Hopefully, we can do things better. And yeah. and all the recruiter, all the <laughs> recruiters ever say is travel around the world. Shit. Yeah, that's their that's their selling point. Um, yeah, but uh, so you, so you get out of uh, the Marine Corps and you just camp out in North Carolina. You're like, I'll I'll stay here. Well, I get out and I'm forced to stay here because no one's going anywhere now. Gotcha. Okay, that's how that works. February is right when everything started getting smashed, remember? So I was getting out. I was getting my stuff situated. Uh, The person who I was seeing at the time, her deployment got stopped because of COVID. So she was leaving. So she moved out of her place, ended up coming to stay with me because I was like, yeah, you're in a transition. But then the deployment stopped. So she ended up staying here for longer than anticipated, which wasn't bad. It wasn't ideal. It's not something that we planned to do. So that happened. Like and then the lockdowns happened. And then all this information comes out. And QAnon, freaking uh, the polarization, what's real, what's not real. The whole world shuts down. My meds stop. The freaking physical therapy stops. My doctors stop. And then I have kind of a bad episode. And I end up. Yeah. So let's. And let's, I end up having to had my friends step in and they took care of me. And luckily I got taken care of, but Damn. a lot of people didn't, man. A lot yeah. of people didn't. Yeah, to, to, all right. So we can start there. Um, you know, we, you get out. I'm not even, I'm totally forgot about this, but to get out January 1st and walk in straight into the COVID shutdown. Yeah. All right. Everybody that's getting out of the military, their priority, get to the VA hospital. Get to the yeah. VA clinic and get checked out. Do your whole thing. So that's that's where we are with you. And yeah. let's talk on the whole VA healthcare and how that worked out for you because it's already not even a good situation to begin with. Now let's throw COVID no, on top not. of it. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. So the VA, as we all know, this is social healthcare. This is what everybody claims that they want. They want a social they want a social healthcare program that everyone has the ability to have and it's all equal. The issue with that is the lines and the wait time and usually the quality of care of what you get. Because it's not privatized and they're on demand and they have a certain hours that they have to work, right? They can't go overtime. If they do go overtime, it's all documented. But the government likes to keep their money low because it's the tax dollars money. It's not their money. So your health care is not going to be the best, especially when my nearest doctor is in Wilmington, which is 45 minutes away. And then when you have COVID happen, which pretty much everyone stopped getting seen, well, when you have a series of issues that need to be taken care of, and it all stops, but they still send you your medication, and they're not covering down on everything because they had to switch all the in-person appointments to online and phone appointments, everyone got gridlocked. Yeah, and the virtual aspect of all of it changed. I, I can't imagine, you know, someone who, other than ER, like someone who's really needing help too, like, and then you're, everything's virtual. It's, yeah, yeah, it's kind of. It's it's a it's it's a total mind. It's a 
It's a mind fuck because yeah. you're used to a certain way and now you have to adjust. And everyone knows that talking on a phone is not the same as seeing someone in person. Mm-hmm. Talking through a screen is not the same as seeing someone in person. Right. You know, expressing the way that you feel and how things are going with you or showing them what's wrong with you. Hell, that's it's usually an in-person type of deal. Right. You can tell someone that you feel bad. And they're going to be like, uh-huh, and they'll write it down. They'll prescribe you whatever they think is going to make you feel better from the book or whatever the thing prompted them in their computer to give you because that's the options in which they can choose from. Right. Nothing in which which is probably going to help you, but what they think will, and then they just keep pushing it, and there's multiple doctors who aren't talking to each other because you're on a team and you have different ailments. So these things are compounding over time to the point where you're on so many medications, you're seeing so many people where it's hard to keep track and then you shut it all off, try to switch to something else that isn't working. Meanwhile, everyone else is gridlocked, all the other compounding things. Yeah. That's a breeding ground for destruction. And it happened to a lot of people across yeah. the board. I mean, even and no one can deny it. Cause Josh, no Josh had the same thing. Josh was like, you know, there was a point where, he's like, I'm getting medication from this guy and then medication from this guy. And it's just like, and at one point they had no idea all the shit he was on. And that's when he had ended up getting off a ton of it. He said, I ended up taking myself completely off everything at one point to the, cause I didn't know what was doing what, mm-hmm. but that didn't happen till later, much later until right. I weaned myself off everything. And then I took it down to baseline and then I started journaling and, writing my own programs down, seeing, and basically driving my own care because they're not going to do it, man. And I don't, and they don't show you how to do it either. You have to find out on your own. And there's a lot of good places out there that teach you how to do that, which is nice. But for me, I did it mostly on my own. Yeah. And luckily not as crazy as L Ron Hubbard and Scientology and Dianetics and all that stuff. But I did do something that got me to a point where I'm here now sitting, talking to you. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So you, to go back to what what the, you know, the doctors are, are just giving you this, giving you that. Now, what are they, what are they giving you, but also taking away from you? At the same time, okay. giving you yes. the wrong medication that probably isn't helping much and taking away the medication that's probably doing the most benefit for you. All right. So because we talked about this the other day, and I'm glad that you pointed this out. So when I was um, at Wounded Warrior Battalion, I was being seen by a physician there who is a civilian physician. Okay. So it's not military. He is the one who started diagnosing me with the ailments which he was treating me for, which got me to a very good place in my life. The problem with that is his way of thinking does not correlate to the other doctors that you see throughout your life. Mm -hmm. So when I was at Wounded War Battalion, he started prescribing me testosterone sipinate because he tested me for low testosterone. Just because when I sat down in front of me, he looked at the badge on my chest, which in uniform you wear explosive ordnance disposal insignia, and he looked at me and goes, I already know what's wrong with you, just from knowing who you are, like knowing what your job is. He's like, I'm going to get a full blood work panel. And the very first blood work panel, I had like 175 total testosterone in my whole body. What number? What was the number again? 175. Good Lord. Which is low. Yeah. And according to, according to the, 
the the guidelines, 200 to 1,000 is normal realms of total testosterone free in your total body. That's a huge gap. Yeah, 200 yeah. to 1,000 is right. huge. I had 175. But he tested me two more times after that over the course of like two months to get a baseline before he prescribed me anything. I was in the 175, 150, 200 on the low cycle. So I would always get uh, tested on the low side. So at 4.30 p.m., right when they're about to close, I would go in because that's when the lowest you are in your body for testosterone because it's in a cycle. The highest is in the morning around 8 a.m. The lowest is around 4, 4.35 p.m. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I was low. He prescribed me 200 milligrams of testosterone supinate every seven days because testosterone in your body has a half-life of seven days. I started doing this just that and also the migraine medication of the I can't, there's a list of medication that I was on. I, was, I think I was on like eight to 10 pills at one, one point. Good. I started taking that. My whole world, my whole world stepped. And you can ask anyone who I was with at the time. They're like, oh, there's a marked improvement. I was working out more. My cognition was back. I was feeling better. I was sleeping well. I still had a lot of issues because I was still working them out, but I did notice a marked improvement on top of everything else that I was doing, which was therapy, physical therapy, um, uh, basically all the programs that the Wounded Warrior Regiment had to offer. I was doing really well to the point where I actually thought about coming back. I was like, maybe I'll go back to work. But the way things the military was driving and the point in which I got to, I was like, maybe I should just get out and chill for a while because you have the five-year limit of being on the temporary disability retired list, which is really great. People, not many people know about it is that for five years, the military keeps you on this list. And as long as you keep your appointments and everything like that, and you can show marked improvement, if you want, you can come back to the military. No questions asked. They'll bring you back. As long as you pass all the requirements again, you're good. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, at the five years, then you just become the permanent retired list. I didn't, I've never heard that before. That's awesome. That's actually yeah. – they probably don't even make that uh, known, known, yeah. known to most. Well, there's a lot of things that I will, that I will contribute to. A lot of people, when they get out, they're frustrated. So there's a lot of shit that goes over your head. Yeah, Because absolutely. I remember coming home with booklets of things. Hey, read all this information. This is what's going to help you when you get out. Uh-huh. Right. I can barely look at computers or deal with myself in five-minute increments. I'm definitely not going to get involved in this book. You know, We've all been yeah. there, especially because you're frustrated, you're tired, you don't know what's wrong with you. There's a lot of things. So when you finally do have the time to read everything, or at least you're educated from someone who can at least talk to about it, which a lot of people in the military, they're not really – I sit down and read. A lot of people are show me or tell me. That's usually yeah. how it is. So if people show people how to do it or talk about it, it's a it's a benefit. Gotcha. Well, so fast forward. Okay. I get out of the military. I start seeing the VA. My healthcare gets 
dragged over eventually, completely. My testosterone now is up for debate because the levels in which I have are within normal realms because I'm on testosterone. So because I'm within normal realms and I'm on testosterone, they're like, well, we'll take you off testosterone. We'll wean down your doses to every three weeks. So like two, so 200 milligrams every three weeks. That is a drastic difference in feeling and how you operate. And because of that, my testosterone dropped. And then wait, how much, how much were you originally started out with? Originally it was 175. And then, then once I was on it, it was around 800. Once I was on 200 milligrams every seven days, I was around 800. So you went from 200 milligrams to every week to 200 milligrams. Every seven days month. to 200 milligrams every three weeks. Every three weeks. Yes. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so that changes your whole mindset. And I'm still on all these other medications. And they didn't change those doses. So now everything's out. Now your chemical shit's all out of whack. And then right, right, right. COVID happens, and then everything shuts down. And then I, I get all my blood results that I'm like around 500-ish. And they take me off testosterone completely. And 500 isn't, it's not low, but it's not where it should be. Middle of the road. No, a normal human being for a thir- like around a 30-year-old man should be around 800, like 600 right. total in the whole body. And then not okay. to mention your, your, your free total, which is around like nine-ish, yeah. nine, six-ish is what you want. And 500 to 800 isn't really all that close to being okay. If you think about it, if you think about it, you know those dudes who go and flex on camera and at competitions who look jacked out of their minds, you know, the ones that don't look like normal people, they have around 1,200 to 1,500, maybe even 2,000 in their bodies at a time. Yeah. Of what they're yeah, injecting, yeah. what they're doing, whatever it is. Oh, Rich Piranha is the main dude. Everyone knows Rich Piranha. He was huge, had all the Botox done, but he talked about it freely. He died at 45 from a heart attack. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what doctors get scared about. When you talk about testosterone, when you talk about testosterone, doctors start getting weird about what it does to you because it can cause uh, heart, like uh, heart disease. So you could have a heart attack or a stroke, a potential, if you abuse it. If you abuse it, exactly. That's the thing that where everybody the the I can also go to the store and buy all the alcohol I want and kill myself with it, but no one will stop me. But if I want to give something to me that makes me feel better and operate like a normal human being again, because my CPU, my brain is broken. Yeah, I need something to fix it, and they take it away from you, and it's yeah, and super eerie. That's the thing is that, like I said, to go back, it, the forefront to having therapy like that. It, it, and it goes for anything. If you abuse it, that's when things start to become a problem. But if yeah. we do this responsibly, it wouldn't be an issue. And no, if we well, could, if we yeah, could show that the, the huge benefits to what it's doing for people that are dealing with certain stuff, exactly. It needs and there's to be... marked improvement in people who go on this pro on this. It's called hormone treatment therapy or or uh, hormone replacement hormone replacement therapy. therapy. Yeah. Um. And there's a bunch of, like, Core Medical Group is a big one that a lot of veterans know about. 
another cool group which is the Warrior Angel Foundation founded by Mark Gordon who's been on Joe Rogan multiple times and he's talked about it and they have a lot of protocols that aren't HRT they have a lot of holistic stuff which is pushing vitamins and uh, certain types of uh, basically compounds that you can put into your body that helps your chemical imbalance uh, normalize itself or at least give it a boost to get you to where you used to be the wounded air, uh, the Warrior Angel Foundation is a really good resource for information. And yeah, they talk I about just, traumatic brain injuries, PTSD, and everything like that. But I just wish that it was because he didn't go to Harvard. He didn't go to that school. You know, he didn't. Go, he didn't go to the Good Old Boys Club. Yeah, I just wish the 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 information and the studies of how beneficial the hormone replacements can be for both male and female. You know, the females especially. Well, and that's when we have to get into talking about what's in our bodies. What mm-hmm. have, what has human beings done to us with the Industrial Revolution, with phthalates, with pesticides, with dyes, with everything that we've been just subjected to over the years, not to mention your parents and your grandparents and how that's just in their system now and then gets passed to you while you're in vitro. What are you talking about? Fast food restaurants now? Yeah, fast, fast food, food availability. You microwaving your spaghetti dinner in your in your microwave safe plastic container, which then vibes the molecules of that plastic yep. with your food, and now you're eating it, and you have microplastics inside of you, yep. which are called phthalates, which then phthalates, yep. which then now decrease your ability to make testosterone, make sperm. There's a shortening of your taint, which then can lead to a different set of issues which can become mental which then talks about gender dysphoria but there are cited studies from this from doctors that talk about this stuff freely but they usually get shut off because a lot of people want to put up the cognitive dissonance window and they don't want to talk about it because it's a scary thought yeah us as a whole us as cognitive dissonance (laughs) is when you basically know the answer to something but you put up that that kind of shield to stop yourself from thinking about it. Or like when you're walking through a grocery store aisle and you see like farm raised, farm raised Alaskan salmon, right? You think, Oh, well we're doing better because we're not like bycatching. But then you have to think about that salmon sitting there with all the sea lice being eaten slowly and being fed like chicken chum, put dyes in it to make it look normal. You know, that's the cognitive dissonance window. No. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, if you think about it, you start thinking about why are we doing that, but then nobody wants to talk about pharmaceuticals. And how yeah. And those, these are all big it. topics. And I think we also, I'm going to focus on my notes. Say, we, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go on a tangent. Uh, <laughs> yes. Right. Right. No, 100%. This is all we, we will we'll get lost in all of it, but you know, uh, we'll go back to the whole, uh, testosterone and how it was beneficial to go back to what you're calling your CPU, your brain and, and how important it was for you to have that rather than anything else that you were taking, which had no, um, um, from my understanding is had no benefit for you other than the testosterone. No, uh, the, the, uh, 
The worst part about it was that most of the medication they give you for anxiety and depression give you anxiety and depression. It's yeah. a side effect. Yeah. I'm sorry, but if anything has a side effect of the thing that you have, don't take it. Exactly, one hundred percent. I'm 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 be honest. Like that's just my own personal opinion. Don't take it, man. Because yeah, I did it. May... So one of the medication was for anxiety and depression, and it made me fat. It made me gain twenty five pounds, which doesn't do anything good for your self esteem either. Yeah. And they knew it, and they don't tell you at the beginning. They give I'm you that giant that thing. That... <laughs> I was gonna make a joke, but I was gonna say myself. <laughs> I but actually, like, I I honestly think like. And we've talked about this before, and it's real brief, real quick, but I wish, I wish doctors would prescribe marijuana nowadays and do a real thorough, like, I'm talking real thorough study on it and just see. No, they are. They They are. are. No, no, no. I mean, like. They're doing it now, which is late. You're doing it late. You've had all this time and all these years of where you did it. You found out what you could do with it. You suppressed it. You pushed all the stuff that you could control and manipulate and monetize. You did it for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. We found out that there's a lot more information out there because everything's free and the internet is huge and you can't hide things from us anymore. And so now the information is there where now we're, people are taking it into their own hands where they're like for me, I do self care. I medicate with meditation, uh, dog walks, exercise dog cuddles, photography. Um, I do partake in the magical thing, which is cannabis, because that's what helps me out. Right. But in the state of North Carolina, you cannot purchase that freely. So you have to go someplace where it is legal, purchase it, and then medicate yourself. And just like you said, the funny thing is you can go to a liquor store and you can buy 75 bottles of vodka. I'm sorry. But you cannot kill yourself with marijuana unless right. you were to burn your house down with it or <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know. There'll, I mean, there'll be that one like, instance and that'll yeah, be all the guy dies from marijuana. <laughs> there has never been an incident with me. And by the way, my experience with marijuana was from a young age. I started using when I was like 12 years old, right? And up until I was 18, up until I joined yeah. the Marine Corps, like the, there was a time period which I used it uh, because of my own issues from when I was in the past, not to mention everyone gets exposed to it. Um, to where it is now, marijuana is not the same. There's lots of methods that, in which you can get it, get it uh, tailored to your specific needs. And it is extremely beneficial. And that's not mm-hmm. even talking about MDMA, psilocybin, which is m- magic mushrooms, LSD, uh, acid on the street is what you call it. But LSD is the real is the real drug that we should talk about. DMT is another one. Ibogaine. There's a lot of things out here that initially we're told that that's a party drug, hippie, bad, voodoo, all that stuff. Comes to find out, everything in moderation can have a due course for specific individuals depending on what their needs are. And we can meet those. All you have to do is try. There needs to be more conversations about those uh, therapeutics. Well, even if there were, they'd be they'd be blacklisted, and they well, the military and the VA are funding MDMA and psilocybin and THC research now. Finally, the DOD is yeah, the DOD is doing. And you can apply for those programs. Are they the best? 
Most likely not, but at least it's a step forward. Mm -hmm. But the problem is you have different countries that have been using these same therapies and all of the doctors have shown positive results. But instead of us just going like, we believe you because you're our colleagues, no, we have to do it here. So that means more tax dollars spent. means, yeah, you're kind of creating jobs, but it's to a limited market with a very select few people who know where the jobs are going to be and they get to profit the most from it. You know, it's super dirty (laughs) when the information's already there, you know? Yeah, we we had brought this up on a previous podcast, like saying, like, you know, the reason we don't want it to be federally legal, which everybody has a different opinion on it. But, you know, it's something that you can do in your backyard. You know what I'm saying? You can't you You can't make dependent on the system to provide you something that will give you a healthy outlook on life. Yeah, it's all I can grow something in my backyard and take it once a day and never talk to a doctor again. Is that a good business model for a doctor? Right, right. See, no. I mean, that's why. Remember when the COVID thing happened and all the seeds were being. I wish. I wish. That's when I wish we did the thing. Uh, Let's go podcast does where they hit the bell oh, every time a good point's made. Oh, yeah. good we need point, to find yeah. our own little niche. But then, but then you get into the like. Then people will start talking to you like you're a conspiracy theorist. Like, no, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. No. There are conspiracies that have been theorized. <laughs> yeah, you're just close-minded, and you don't want to listen to anything outside. Yeah, what we see is what's fed to us. Yeah, and. It's just the nature of the beast because all human beings are human beings and we're flawed. Because no, because every no human being is like what, infallible, right? Right, right. So, uh, so let's move on from you know the the test therapy and yeah. whatnot. Uh, some of your other outlets that you helped that that helped you uh, with mental health and, and moving forward, especially during probably the most depressing time in internationally where everybody says you have to stay at home. Now you have to figure out how to entertain yourself by your at home alone. Yeah. And, uh, that was interesting because everyone had to figure out how to be around each other, especially their close people. As you know, I had someone living with me for a certain period, which I didn't plan, which was fine, but that definitely provided us with outlets where I picked up a camera and I started taking photos and I, I came to find that having an outlet just as a hobby, like Keith does carpentry, I do photography. I also, um, I also kind of dabble with carpentry. I make tables and uh, cool little knickknacks, like going away gifts for people. Um, but anything paddle boarding, anything that gives you an outlet where you don't have to think about anything else but that thing mm-hmm. in the moment. For example, skydiving is probably the one good thing I will say about taking your entire life and putting it elsewhere. Cause the only thing that yeah. matters is you falling from a plane for 60 seconds. Agreed. Agreed. Man, so, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I am not, I'm not a fan of heights and, and being a firefighter. If I get on a, if I get on a ladder, my leg shakes, which is nuts. Yeah. Cause I've, like, I've literally climbed up ladders on the side of ships and my leg is shaking. I, I can hang on the side of a plane off a helicopter and I feel nothing. I feel absolutely right. free because I have a safety blanket. Like this thing is, I have two of them. I have two parachutes. They, one should save my life. The second one definitely wants to save my life. 
as long as I do everything right coming down, I should be fine. So it's a weird, it's a weird sense of being completely free and safe in the most, what appears to be dangerous position of your life. But to be honest, nothing's more freeing than being able to fall to the earth. <laughs> and just yeah. relax and not think about anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and to, to, I mean, for, for our career fields, you know, being on a ladder, we got a 110 foot ladder at the department we work with together. And when I, when I, when I get, when I go up it, like, I don't think about it. You know, you think about like, well, hold on. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, you know, somebody's dependent on me to be able to do the job that, that makes everything different. Now, do I want to go jump, climb on a ladder and, and go, one, go right. on a roller coaster? I'm not even a fan of roller coasters. I'm like, I'll no, go on it because of the family. Pleasurable. Yeah, but I don't enjoy it. <laughs> like, it no. sucks. But well, you're, you're right, dude. I've, I've, I've found interest, you know, in wanting to kind of face my fear in heights. And parachuting is something I'd be interested in doing. I've, and I always suggest doing a tandem. I go, just go do a tandem. You don't have to. People always get a common misconception that you have to go do a tandem first. Mate, you don't. Never done you it. can show I've up. I've never done it. Oh, you know, I didn't know he I, up till just now. I didn't know he's never done it. And oh. man, I'm t- I'm I'm the same way you are. So uh, we went a couple years ago for a birthday party, and my wife would not do it. There was not there was not a chance. And I was like, listen, if your parachute fails, you have the rest of your life to figure out how to fix it. And yeah, but that's and <laughs> in all reality, we were thinking about it like, and I was like, oh, I'm scared. I I was scared. I'll admit that, but. It doesn't really hit you well, your first time skydiving. It doesn't really hit you till you see that first person jump out of the plane and you're like, Oh, they're gone. Like Yeah, it's, usually it's most unbelievable. People, yeah, usually most people when you see them in a plane, they're going for a tandem for the first time. You'll see them be nervous, but but they get through all the motions. Yeah. It really hits them when they sit down in the plane first. And this is the best part because they sit down, they finally realize that we're going up in the plane. And then the plane takes off. And then that moment that the plane leaves the ground and the plane kind of does this because it becomes weightless for a second, it dips. You watch it like, oh, we're going. And they get really. And there's two types of people they're the I'm cool or the ones that are like this and they're like super jacked up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's usually only two types. And depending on who's on the plane, you can either mess with them or you like make them feel good. De- depending on who they are, usually I like to mess with people. It's like, yeah, man, like, how's it feel to like you know just go out of airplane for the last time ever? You ever think about that? This could be your last <laughs> moment. This is gonna be great. Let's have a good time. Enjoy yeah. yourself. <laughs> like, let's yeah, go. You know. Like, because it could be, because it's it's a reality in which you have all the safety precautions in place where you're going to get down safe safely, so the outcome is there that it's going to be positive. But just like life, you could be walking across the street, get hit by a vehicle, or have a brain aneurysm while sitting here. So, right. you know, something can happen. So why deny yourself a moment of true bliss? And it's true. Everything, it's everything truly, in your world melts away. Just enjoy the ride. Just enjoy sixty seconds of falling to yeah. the earth. Well, all you it have to think is. about it's is that. So it's so eye opening. And like, even uh, when we went, I know we're getting off topic, but even when we went, uh, one of our planes. There was two planes, and one of the planes broke down like ten minutes before we were supposed to go up. So they went down a single plane. And my brother in law looks at me. He goes, "Oh shit, that's not good." I was like, "Why?" And he goes, "Well, the planes broke." And I was like. 
you're going to be jumping out of it anyway. It doesn't have to land. It's only got to take off. <laughs> I've never gotten into anything that flies that isn't broken. Right. Yep. <laughs> That's true. It's the nature of the beast, man. There's something in it. There's a lot of moving parts in that thing, but they're designed to do that. So right. it's, we're going to have to go to Middletown. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you're, you've been in Camp Pendleton. So I'm originally from Lake Elsinore. Okay. Yeah. That's a nice place. Uh, the skydiving up there. It's sky probably one of the lakes, uh, Lake Elsinore and uh, skydive uh, starts with a P. What's that? Uh, there's two places right side by side that's right next. Oh, to Paris skydiving. Paris, yeah. Yep. Uh, so skydive Elsinore is yeah. like one of the prime locations. Even people from like Australia come to Elsinore because oh, really? dro- you're Be- dropping over a beautiful lake. Yeah, the lake, and then you have the coastal mountains that separate Inland Empire from. The Orange County coast. So when sweet, you're yeah. over there, you you can see the ocean uh, over those mountains. Yeah, that would be awesome. So mine was in Middletown, Ohio, so I just saw farms and shit. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I probably won't go skydiving in Middletown. I'll probably go back home. <laughs> is he it, can contest. Is it is it because you're is it the height or is it the free fall feeling? Um. Well, I can't say I've had much free fall experience, but uh. <laughs> so when you get on a roller coaster, that first dip, right? That when it drops. Yeah. You don't have that when you jump out of a plane. Because yeah. you're moving at, like, say you're moving at 100 miles an hour through the sky. Yeah. When you leave the plane, you're leaving at 100 miles an hour. Ah, uh, okay. So there's no dip. You're at, a, you're at a velocity, and then you just pick up speed. Yeah. So there is no pitfall when you jump out. When you jump off a cliff or a balloon or something that's static, that's when you do. Gotcha. And you're you're not a bird, so when you look out of a plane, you don't know how far. Like it just looks like the Earth is far away, which it is. It's fourteen thousand feet. And right. relatively, I don't know. My brain doesn't comp like doesn't compute it. I can literally grab a hold of the plane, put my feet on the side of the plane, and push off it and fall. Just, yeah. <laughs> especially when you're with someone that you like that you're friends with, and you're holding hands. And you're smiling, and you're upside down, and you're going like 200 miles an hour, and you're just like having a good time, right? For like 60 seconds, and then you yeah. high five, and you go away, and then you pull your parachute, it opens, you yeah. get to fly around like a bird for like two yeah. minutes, and then you land. That, if you've ever been in combat and you want to know what it feels like to be in combat, go jump out of a plane. That's good. That's good. The the day I jumped out of the plane, the day I was like, oh, that's what it felt like when I got shot at. Like, yeah. like you know, like that. That yeah. makes. And I was like, oh, and that's eerie because that's when you start chasing the dragon. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and you can cause issues. And it would be, I think it'd be interesting to go do, um, because, you know, you you you're more of a photographer than I am, but I, I enjoy taking pictures. You know, I, I a lot of my pictures I take involve my girls and. I would say my thought of of photography and skydiving is you're in that moment. With yeah. photography, you're capturing that moment. And I would say with, with skydiving, I'm assuming that you're really in that moment. And 60 seconds feels like a long time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Does it's it feel like a long weird time? Weird because you have a – it's kind of like you have a gauge. You, you, if, when you start doing it so often, just like muscle memory, you'll have a gauge. Where literally you'll be flying and you'll you'll just know when it's time to stop. Like yeah, you have altimeters, so you have visual altimeters that tell you when to when to pull and break your altitudes. 
And then you have audible uh, altimeters that literally beep at you that tell you what altitude you're at. So it warns you, hey, you're at 2,000 feet. You need to pull your parachute, you know. And now they have GPS tracking units where they can have heads-up displays inside of your helmet. You can look at it on apps and see exactly what altitude, how fast you're going, where you're at in the sky. You can do crazy amount of things to get extremely proficient and extremely safe with it. It's, it's quite interesting because if you think about how they came up with, uh, like, just say the parajumpers. When the very first parajumpers were Russians falling off the side of a wing, okay? That's how we started parachuting. And people say jumping out of a parachute with something that's designed by Ph.D. candidates with lots of R&D, with professionals saying, hey, this thing's going to be a great thing to save your life and have a good time doing it. People are scared to do it. That's weird to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we're test therapy, our own, our own personal uh, hobbies that you know help facilitate our our uh, our psyche to help us calm down. And something that kind of, like I said, you know, we, we capture things in the moment in photography, uh, skydiving. You know, I found myself reading a little bit more, taking the time yes. to read. Reading you know, is very important. Some people find journaling being one of the things that they enjoy doing. I haven't done it. I can't say I even know how to do it. But I have my, I have my one journal, which is just like. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you know what? Some people, I feel like, shy away from journaling because they're like, I don't know if I could just write down. I don't even know how to start. How do I, how do I even start journaling? What do I write? Is it a sentence that I need to do? Do I need to just write everything that's in my head and just do a complete brain dump on a piece of paper? How does how does somebody how does somebody get into journaling? First, seek someone who's willing to teach it. And there are people out here. I'll talk about one person who's Cody Alford, who's We Defy the Norm. Um, he teaches a lot of this, and he gives a lot of information away for free. So that's a good uh, resource for that. Yeah. Other than that, the very first step is just taking up a pen or a pencil and write something. It yep. could be anything. Yeah. I found that I write in different periods of time in my life depending on how I feel. So yeah, it's not all the time, but it's whenever I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this and write it down. See, or, I, can't, I can't do it because I can't read my own fucking handwriting. Uh, yeah, nobody can read your handwriting. So I... <laughs> I I have found that photography is kind of like a journal because you can take a photo of a moment and then when I add it to Instagram, I yeah. write something about it. Yeah, that's a good and idea. I, I don't think people take Instagram for what it is, which is kind of, it's it's a free online storage place for your own personal thoughts and feelings that has a transparency that, has a transparency that anyone can look at if you're not private. So it allows for people to interact with each other that typically wouldn't ever be be able to, say, if you're in Hong Kong or anything like that. The problem is, as we know, is, are they real or not real? Yeah. But I think so, if you have a positive message, then it shouldn't matter. But Instagram is a great way that I take a photo and I write a blurb or something, and that's one way of getting my thoughts and feelings out. Because, again, who cares what other people think of me? The only person who cares about it is me. Oh, who cares about what I think is me. That's it. Um, yeah. No, and it's to go back to, uh, Cody and his, his workshop, 
you know, I, I've been interested in it. And that's why I kind of, you know, decided on who we would want to be an ambassador for. And I think his movement is amazing. And yeah, uh, that's, that's and why we kind of joined in. crash for a lot of people. If, if you're not, if you were not ready for it, I would, you are going to be intimidated and you're going to stay away, which is fine. Just, I think there's baby steps. People just don't join the Marine Corps to join the Marine Corps, just like how people just don't join the Army to join the Army. There's a specific type of mindset that draws you to those types of people or that environment. So most yeah. people in the military, I think, can relate to at least Cody's message or someone who is like them, like David Goggins or Jocko Willings or uh, Dakota Meyer or someone like that. Because they, yeah. they have a lot of their own programs out there, too. But, yeah, when we when we looked into We Defy, I was just like, man, this is – you know, I like his his uh, the apparel, and I like his message, and that's why I kind of you know applied to become an ambassador for him, and they got on board, we got accepted. So, but yeah, if if you end up going to uh, weedifythenorm.com, check out some apparel, get you a little bit of a discount, the debrief table at checkout. And, nice uh, little ad, and I like it. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's a little drop. That, that sounded scripted. I promise you. It <laughs> Humble, humble little drop of, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to We Defy the Norm. <laughs> I will drop everyone that I know that's a veteran group. Like, like everybody. I don't care. Like the shirt I'm wearing right now is from my company. It's called Ironsmith, which my buddy Chris Liberto, he is a, he's a retired naval EOD technician, which is funny because, bear with me, him and I deployed together back in 2009. He was in the Navy. I was in the Marine Corps. We we worked like shit mess together for a little bit of time because when you're a Lance criminal, you have to do those things. So we met there, and we became pretty decent friends while like we were interacting with each other. Fast forward, we run into each other at EOD school and passing in the chow hall because he's in the Navy and I'm in the Marine Corps, and, I'm, and we were there at different times. So he was behind me, but we run into each other and we start talking there. Fast forward... We're on a very important uh, person's uh, Secret Service assignment, which is along for VIPSA, down in Mar-a-Lago for Trump, and we run into each other there, and we reconnect. And it's just this, it's weird how someone that you've never met before in your entire life run into each other at specific points in your life. And yeah. He's a great, he's a great you know person what? to look into following in this message. With stuff like this, you know it would be a sweet idea? If we could somehow, like we all we all love these these veteran-owned companies, especially the the smaller ones that aren't like you know for major profits. If there was like a link to where you could get to like all of them and like that'd be so many. Cool. Google, yeah, it's called Google. <laughs> it really no, is called. Google. Well, I know, I know, but like, and, and I'm not saying to make money of it. I'm just saying these guys would pay to be on this link that links you to apparel from all these different sites. That'd be Sweet it's Google, man. That's what they do with the Google advertisement. You put in your, you give them an X amount of money when they type in clothing or veteran yeah. or whatever. They put your name at the top of the list, yeah. man. Yeah, it's all in the algorithms. There's lots of things aggregates out there that you can search for. It's a good idea. They've already thought of it. Yeah. Um, Damn you, Google. Well, I mean, Black Rifle. They do a good job where they say like partner companies in one of their tabs, and you can see all the veteran stuff that they work with besides their themselves uh a lot of a lot of veteran-owned companies do right that. yeah yeah but like but as you were saying yeah there, there should be no reason why there isn't a place where all veteran-owned businesses aren't the mainstay 
of you know yeah. U.S. production and retail. Right. Right. Why are we not? Right. <laughs> um, man. So let's talk a little bit of current events, dude. Ukraine. Oh, <laughs> Ukraine. <laughs> let's see. One of the big things that you you um, we kind of uh, hit on when we first started getting to know each other and talk was those videos that were surfacing where you had these guys running out with these, uh, what do they call javelins? You'd be probably, they would like strafe with these. And it was like, they had no instruction. They, they walked out there hit a button and the missile was out and they ran. Out. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So number one takeaway from all this is we are watching a war, a conflict happen in 4k in real time in open source, which is, Leaps and bounds far crazier than I ever thought possible, considering that Syria just happened like the other day. And Afghanistan just happened the other day. If people remember when Afghanistan, when we were pulling out of Afghanistan, right, I was watching Snapchats and Reels and TikToks of Marines and Army and, like, all personnel posting stuff of them in country. Which, for one, is a big no-no. Like, there's a big... They call it the purple dragon in the OPSEC. What are you talking about? OPSEC? Yeah, and they talk about OPSEC, which is operational security, which is you're not supposed to post any of that information because you can geotag all that stuff. Not to mention TikTok is the most corrupt system out there that is ran by Chinese. I was just going to say, tell us who runs TikTok. By the state of China, yeah, (laughs) the state of the Communist Republic of China. This is all... Anyway, so people... The, the 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 embeddedness of technology into our into our military now is super crazy. And then on top of that, you have everyone in the world who has a cell phone or at least an ability to upload something to some extent. And we're watching this 4K, <laughs> and it is insane to see the footage that is coming out here. And that's why when I first when I first started posting about it, I think I did the first thing, which was like, I gave a warning, which not many people do. They just post things arbitrarily. I gave a warning, and I said, this is sensitive, and I explained who I was and what I was talking about, and then I p- started posting videos, and that's when I started sending things to you, because I was like, well, if you are an outlet or at least a resource for people to listen to about information about what's going on, at least I want you to have the right information, because there's a lot of information that isn't real. That's like we talk about the disinformation campaigns of both the U.S. Mm-hmm. and NATO allies, and Russia, China, and all those people in Iran everyone else they do the same thing as us it's just they have a different mindset to us and they don't speak our language right. yeah so a lot of things get lost in translation and we don't know what's what oh anymore. i'm still so i'm these... still suspect of of when they show putin or um is it Zelensky? Mm-hmm. is it Zelensky? Zelensky is the president of ukraine yeah i want to make sure i was saying his name correctly but when i hear them talking and then we're being fed the translation i'm like I don't believe they could. They could easily tell us, "Ah, oh, this is what he's saying," but oh, I don't. Exactly. I can't. I can't exactly. verify that. No. no. And- <laughs> the good thing now is that you have like Google Translate on your phone, so you can record a conversation that's happening on the television while they're talking, and you can translate Google or whatever app that you use. And you can verify what they're saying. There's, but the question is, are you willing to take the time to do it? Bingo. Okay. Bingo. no you can't keep pulling our you gotta get your own plug when I was posting that information I gave a warning and all that stuff and the biggest one was the simple fact that we're going back to what happened when the Taliban were fighting against the Russians 
this happened. There's a good movie on it called Charlie Wilson's War. It's about the proliferation and the and the selling of arms, specifically Fin-92 Stinger missiles, to the population of the Taliban and the Afghan people to fight against the evasion of Afghanistan. Well, at the time, it was, it, was, about, it was... Which was also about resources such as oil oil and minerals and precious metals. Now, at the time, it was Al-Qaeda. It was Taliban. It was Taliban? It was Taliban. Okay, all right. I, I had it backwards then. Al-Qaeda and Taliban are kind of the same, but the Taliban have been the ones that have been in the longest. The Al-Qaeda's, which came from the Taliban, which is the more radical portion of the Taliban. And if I'm wrong on this, people can chastise it right, for me, right. but I'm, I'm trying to do this off of memory, and there's a lot of stuff up here, and also but Al-Qaeda I'm always right. I'll be the first one to say, hey man, I'm wrong, and I'll retract what I said. Right. But Al-Qaeda was more of a fundamentalist group, which is more funded by extremism, uh, more extremists, and they get along with like Al-Qaeda, Shabab, Al-Shabaab, and yeah. all those mentalities, okay. and like Hamas, all those mentalities align with each other. Taliban is actually kind of strict Muslim faith, and they kind of want to be left alone. But they do have a lot of archaic ways of thinking and acting, which is like no women's rights, gay rights, which is ironic if you know about the culture of that whole community and everything. Yeah. Uh, but as you know, there's a lot of stipulations. But we supply stinger missiles to these people to fight against the Russians. And that's what, we're that's doing what you'll the see in the movie. Yes, and you will see that in the movie. It's very good. Uh, Tom Hanks was the lead actor, and he plays the, uh, the Texas representative. And Julie Roberts is in it, too. Mm. So fast forward to now. The stinger missile is still relevant. This missile system is very old, and a lot of them have been left on the shelf. Like, they just, they, they kind of get updates, and they get checked on, and they kind of like, oh, they have a 15-year shelf life. It's like, well, this will still kind of work, so 20 years, you know? And then we sell these, or we get rid of them, or we donate them, and whatever. So, now we're supplying Stinger missiles, Javelins, and assortment of all other arms. But the biggest one is going to be the Stinger missiles and the Javelins, because you can have a person operate a system that is man-portable and generally concealable inside of a vehicle or something like that or a stagecoach, something that is small that you can operate and maneuver very quickly and take down an aircraft or a, a, or armor from like six clicks away, man. That is insane, and that is very, very beneficial to people of Ukraine fighting this war against the Russians because the Russians have aircraft and armor and everything that are designed to defeat those systems that we use against them which is also something to think about yeah and we're the, we're the ones that are supplying these arms we are 100 percent. we i think the only other people that were trying to give them stuff was uk france but the biggest one was the planes yeah. was trying to give them migs which is weird because how do you know if they're going to be able to fly them right so Supposedly, and, and Poland got their pee-pee slapped when they said that the U.S. agreed to give these... They're giving a baby a hand grenade. What's that? They're giving a baby a hand grenade. Yeah. You know, you're, like, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, we want you to protect yourself. Here's this hand grenade. And then the baby's like, what are you going to do with it? Right. I'm going to put it in my mouth. Yeah, you don't know exactly what to do with it yet. Or if we give it to them, what if they just strategically get destroyed yeah. from all the artillery and missile fires that they're doing? Hell, Russia just dropped a hypersonic missile on a 
uh, I think it was an ordinance or at least a fertilizer plant or something like yeah. that. But something big was taken out with a hypersonic missile, and that is insane because that is a missile that will go anywhere and nothing can stop it. Yeah, and it's to kind of go off what I was saying is that the I understand that we have agreements with NATO and, and everything, but the more we start to supply. I feel like, and the more that we're starting to do, that's what's going to end up leading us into this conflict and oh, we're already there. going straight into World <laughs> oh, War yeah. Three. Yeah, yeah. And it's just going to be like... I think we're already there. I think we have been there for a oh. while. Because if you think in the, Syria, for example, Syria was not a no-fly zone, was it? No, because if it was a no-fly zone, Russia would have been really upset because guess what Russia was doing? Russia was in there with their units doing exactly what we were doing with the organizations and the people that aligned with their way of thinking because they were supplying the money and resources. Mm -hmm. They were doing the exact same thing in Syria that we were doing in Afghanistan. They were doing the exact same thing in Africa, just like China's doing the same thing in Africa. Yeah. And all these nations, it's all the yeah. same thing. I definitely think that this, this has been going on for a while. Now Ukraine war with and, each other. and Russia has been invading Ukraine, and now everything's being put on the media. You know, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram is being forced, in, you know, down our throats. And look what's going on here. And then now it's going to be like, all right, let's go it's into World War Three. And it's like, hold on, wait, you guys can't pretend like this hasn't been going on for a while, right? You guys are just now seeing it, it's just now because yeah. you guys have been distracted by COVID. <laughs> so then we get back. The, to the thing that I talked about before, which is the cognitive dissonance window. A lot of people can't take on a lot of stuff at once. For one, we're human beings and we have our own shit going on. So whatever you're dealing with in your own time in life, that's a lot because it's real. It's tangible. You feel it. You recognize it. You're operating with every day. Something that happens in Ukraine, thousands of miles away, you're not seeing it. So people don't really have a real reality of what's going on over there. The good thing is that we're watching in 4K in real time. But the bad part about it is, again, it's putting us in tunnel vision where right. there's a lot of things going on. And this is just one, as horrible as it is, it's about this big. Yeah. But the whole picture is even bigger, and that's what's weighing on us. And I, and I think we're at a tipping point now to where the information is out there enough where people are allowed to make their own opinions. And there's a lot of people that are upset, and I think there's going to be a really bad turn of events here in the future like higher prices gasoline food uh just shortages alone just the ability to transport things between different countries like we're not going to have fruit seasonally like we usually do people forget that we live in a society where you can have strawberries and like on christmas you shouldn't have strawberries in christmas if you live in new york it's cold up there but you get it from someplace else yeah those places are going to stop because the fertilizer from russia is gone the fuel from russia is gone Everything that we relied on Russia for because we were doing trades with them because they're a huge superpower that doesn't have regulations because they're allowed to produce things because the government doesn't care about what happens to the environment, even though they lie and say that they do. You know, we've done it, too. So it's not like I'm saying this is like as an attack towards them. We've done the exact same things. But at least now we can regulate things here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. so now we're stuck with this horrible, horrible, horrible event that's happening over in Ukraine, and we're all going to be hurt for it but they're going to blame a foreign country on their own doings which if you think about it what's happening in ukraine is kind of what happened in iraq in 2001 yep 
and Afghanistan. Afghanistan was kind of the invasion into Afghanistan, which we call the Forgotten War. The first part of Afghanistan, which the movie 12 Strong with Chris Hemsworth depicts what the horse soldiers did, right? That was a strategic attack on the people that attacked us, that we knew attacked us. Mm -hmm. We should have ended it there. Yep. We didn't. Right. <laughs> so now we have to get into the mindset of who are we to say that Russia can't do this to Ukraine or Ukraine can't do that to Russia or China can do this to Taiwan, Taiwan can do it to China, you know? Like, who are we to stand on our high horses and say who can do what to what people yeah. and now? We were, we were talking about this last night. Is It's so hard to sit back watching this in 4K and to think about these young kids on the Russian side that are being told to play, be placed here. I, I've, I've talked about this before with, with, with Keith here and how when we were 12 years old and we watched the World Trade Centers get hit, we had our fuel of why we wanted to go in the military right. and go over there. We knew why we were there. We could always go retrace back. Oh, 9-11, 9-11, firefighters, 9-11, 9-11. There's no, there's no question, you know, and then you get in the military and then you start thinking like, what the hell is going on? This is, why are we well, here? Experiences. and then now we see Russia and we see these Russian, uh, 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 I guess call them POWs. I mean, on, on social media, they're being treated pretty fairly. They're given water, they're given food, they're given phones to call their families. But these kids are literally young 19 to 20 21 years old and i'm like damn that was me right like yes what? i was 19 i was 19 years right. old in a foreign country occupying them you yeah. know what i mean like and it's a hard it's a hard perspective to look at especially from people which the mass majority of america or the world hasn't been at war or at least been in a conflict you know yeah and to to see those young adults and to think like Hey, go go stand on this go stand on this border. We're gonna do a training exercise, and we'll let you know. Just stay here. We'll, we'll let you know how things go, and we'll we'll tell you when you can pump. Well, next thing you know, they're going into you know uh, Ukrainian territory, and then next thing you know, they're being fired upon, and then they're told, "Hey, this is what you need to do." You know, yep. they got people or soldiers, Russian soldiers, explaining like we didn't know we were doing this. We were told this was gonna be a training yeah, exactly. exercise, and now we're doing this. And it's crazy to think now seeing it from me, me now 33 years old, seeing this happen. And it's literally like, this is Putin's idea, whatever, whatever the story may come 20 years from now, what the truth is. Right. But we're literally being told to go places and do this. And we're going to sacrifice these lives to obtain this land for what reason? For Putin's reason. Right. For well, Putin's the ideology of the Russian people that back it. Yes. Correct, correct, absolutely. It's not just Putin. But that's what I hate. I hate just lowballing just one dude. Right. Yeah, he has a lot of influence, and right. I will. I will admit, he's an interesting person to get to know. If you watch the documentaries on it, and you understand who this man is and where he comes from, which is from the KGB, he was born and bred to be in the KGB, right? Yep. But now it's uh, now it's called the FSB. Yeah. But he's obviously the president of yeah. And my, my point is, is just is is Putin is the person of target right now that we're all being yeah. Fed. And it goes if you think about it, what we're seeing in their country. Don't 
Don't He's not, George Bush right now. Don't not think. Do not I'm saying it wrong. Don't <laughs> think that our country isn't doing the same thing. Don't think that he's George Bush right now. Yes. Like if, if, if there's a perspective to look at, he is George Bush right now. May, yeah. Yes. Right now he's George. Yes. Bush. yes, that is the yes. best way to put it. Yes. Yeah, and that's that's. that's if you can get into one hindsight. What's happening in Russia is what we're what we went through, kinda in yeah. 2001. And that's what people like need to kind of take a step back. Not not say okay, Russia. It's okay what Russia is doing because we. No, you need to think about like, hey, hold on. Now you, you're getting a perspective of how the world looked at us. Yeah, it's like it's it's kind of hard to think in a perspective which you've never been in. It's like, well, how do you know if a gl- gl- blade of grass hurts when you step on it? Have you ever been a blade of grass? Yeah. No, but I do know this: if you step on me, I feel it and it hurts. I know this thing doesn't have a brain, but it bruises when I step on it. It wilts when I don't water it. It has things that. Probably it doesn't like when it happens to it. So does it have feelings? I don't know. But if I can put my head into it, it's like, well, I don't like being stepped on. Maybe the grass doesn't like being stepped on. So it's it's kind of hard to put people's brains in a perspective which they've never been. If you've never been in war, how do you know what war is like? Well, and just like you said, everything nowadays is – it everything's pushed for you to have tunnel vision on one thing. Just like you guys both just said, we're we're putting out right now that tunnel vision needs to be on Putin. Right. And everybody's like, oh, Putin, this Putin, that he do- he does this. And all they do is they will Google a fact about him in the last six weeks or whatever. And but they're not looking at the the full picture. And I'm not saying he's a good, bad guy, whatever, indifferent. It, I'm saying matter. he's a human being that has went through a series of events that put him to be in the position which he is now. And in order to understand his mindset, you need to look back to work him as a child. Yes. And you, you, have to get the, you have to get the whole picture in. And when he brought up about talking about this, I told uh, I told my buddy we were talking about this. He, he was a Marine also. And he was like, he said the exact same thing you did, Kyle. He was like, man, there, there's so much more to this underlying picture that, you know, we're being stuff. Stuff is getting thrown down at us about TikTok and Snapchats and and that's all people are seeing, especially the young, like younger generation. There's the 16, 17 year olds who are on TikTok all day. All they say is we hate Russia or we hate whoever. And it's just because that's what you're being told. Yeah. And, and it's a valid agreement research. to say you don't like the actions of a country or the people that are doing it. Right. Because you have to give the Russians who did give themselves over or, or were like, hey, we didn't know what was going on. We're giving themselves over. That means that there's something human inside them that goes, I'm not going to I'm not going to. I'm not going to adhere to the order of my president because inside me, I know it's wrong. Right. That is some serious fucking courage. Yeah. OK. And if anyone's ever been in a position of authority in which you get an unlawful order that you must enforce and you do it anyway. I'm going to be blatant with you. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you have no principles whatsoever because mm-hmm. I know for a fact I got sti- I got I got stifled in a lot of places because I said no to a lot of people because what they said was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. And we should and we should talk about that more because yeah. <laughs> who are we if we don't have principles and the ability to stand on <laughs> what we know to be true? Excuse me. Well, speaking of which, <laughs> You know, uh, you know, to go back to what we were talking about yesterday when we had a little bit of a meeting, but decentralized leadership and decentralized leadership is a big one. And the Marine Corps 
prides itself in that, and a lot of the military in the United States of America does too. There's a yeah. definite difference between the military mindset of Russia and China and other foreign countries as opposed to what the U.S. military does. Yeah, The U.S. military prides itself on small unit decentralized leadership, which means that the smallest leader, such as in the Marine Corps, if you're a private, you're a leader. But in all actuality, we talk about non-commissioned officers being the first true leaders of the Marine Corps, right? True leaders. Where a corporal who is an E4, 19, 20 years old, depending, has the ability to command 12, 13 people in a firefight, an engagement of civilians, military, anything. Other countries don't do that. They don't let them in on information, and they go, do exactly what I say when I say it exactly when, and don't think. We don't do that. We really push everyone to think for themselves, at least the good leaders do, where I want you to be a free-thinking individual because that's the most lethal weapon on the battlefield. As a free-thinking individual that's able to absorb the information that's happening around him and then do with it in a methodical method, which then preserves the life of your friends, your family, and the important things around you. That is the most lethal thing. Those other countries don't do that. And you can see that because there's massive amounts of people being pushed in and they sit around and they get ambushed and they don't know what to do. There's not a coordinated effort. There is, however, a coordinated effort on missile fires and artillery fires. And that's what I wanted to get into next, which is going to be the bread and butter. What we did in Syria with strategic artillery and missile fires on strategic targets using human intelligence was by far the most effective method to fight terrorism or a group and the known threat level which is the modern century of war what they're doing now is exactly what they're going to continue to do which is methodically strike with artillery and missile fires in all the places like the bio labs that have been proven to exist Mm -hmm. the fertilizing the oil pipelines the production facilities the hospitals, basically the, all the infrastructure that makes a country run, they destroy it all. Yeah, exactly. And then watch the country eat itself. It's going to cost billions of dollars to replace this entire country. And who do you think is going to float the bill? <laughs> I love no, eating it. and drinking. There's the... It's true. <laughs> it is. It's it true. Is. But, uh... When, yeah, but we won't get into that tangent. I think we can... If you really want to know what's going on in Ukraine, I'll say this. Go to Atlas News. That's a pretty good one. I got them, yeah. Um, Coffee or Die magazine, which is ran by the Black Rifle Coffee Company, which is an amazing company and everything they do. Um, that is a good outlet. And the, for the people that usually know, Joe Rogan is a good source. And oh, yeah. um, I personally, I like Russell Brand. He has been yes. a huge influence on me looking from an outsider's perspective on what is going on in the world. Because his way of thinking is so profound than the way I think because of his lifestyle and where he grew up and his location, not to mention everything. And by the way, he has blatantly told everyone that he has failed numerous times and how much of an idiot he is and he says it with pride and he continues to do a better job every day that right there is the key 
to me liking him is that he's admitted that he has been wrong or he failed or yeah. you know he shows his mistakes. And we talked about that. And I think he even came and did he did like three days of training with the Marine Corps out at Camp Pelham once, and there's videos of it. And so he put himself in that position to suck it up for three days in the Marine Corps just to get a perspective of what that is, and that to me is admirable. Like you're like okay. It's like people who talk about we should defend the police and these people don't know what it's like to police people. It's like, have you ever taken the time to wear a uniform and protect other people? Exactly. You haven't? Then maybe you should stop and not talk because if you've never been there to do it, how can you say it? Right, exactly. Yeah, completely. You can't. It's like that video of the one uh, reporter who went and did that shooting class with the, with the police officers. Yep. And they're trying to determine whether or not I could use lethal yeah, force, but someone was going to stab them or not. Yeah. And he shot the dude every, every single time. Person. It didn't matter if he had a gun or not because he didn't know. He didn't know what he had in his hand. And there's a closing gap, 20 yeah. feet. If you're within 20 feet of somebody, they can close the gap in two seconds. And if you're not fast on a draw or at least know what you're doing, they can hurt you. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, I think we've kind of hit our, our goal mark. Uh, did we do it? I know we went off on some tangents, but uh, no. I, hey, I think it was all. I think it was all good. And, you know, perfect. Try to keep uh, it authentic and um, and whatnot. But uh, I always like to close off an interview with uh, you know some uh, final thoughts, something you would okay. want people to think about or consider, or uh, anything that you found helpful for yourself or would like to pass okay. on to other people. All right. Well, the first thing's first. Um, whatever you think it's going to be like when you transition when you transition out of the military, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be completely opposite. So, whatever your expectations are, cancel them. That's the first thing. Every day is a new day, so treat it as such. Don't ever go into every day thinking the outcome is going to be this. Everything can change like that, especially in today's environment world. Two, have a good foundation of Knowing yourself, exercise, sleep, talk about your feelings with people that you know care about, people that you haven't met, anyone. It shouldn't matter. People should be more transparent about who they are and what's happening with them. Because if you can convey what's happening inside you to someone else, at least they can have a little bit of relate, relation to you. And maybe people will be more kind. Yeah. Right. Uh, another thing is do what you love and love what you do. And if you don't do that... I think I think you'll be unhappy because I know for a fact that when I do something I don't love, I'm the most unhappiest. And I, I've been most unhappy most of my life because I've done what other people have told me to do. And right now is probably the most happiest I've been because I have the ability to do exactly what I want to do, exactly what I want to on my terms. No one else can tell me what to do. And that's the most freeing thing on the face of earth. And it took a lot of work to get there. And if people want to know how that went for me, we can talk about it later on or anything like that. But that's the biggest key is just doing what you love. And for me, that's just going to be photography, probably going back to EOD work and traveling. And I think I'm probably going to get into photojournalism. So that's what that's awesome. I want to do. Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks a lot, Kyle. I appreciate you coming on, reaching out. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. The photography looks amazing. The dog's adorable. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really do. And uh, if we ever find ourselves out in uh, North Carolina, we'll be able to start hey, giving you a call. If anyone knows me, they know my door is always open. Hell yeah. Uh, I, I do not care. I've let people stay here 
for I don't care. We got to make sure we come uh, out there so you can push Ryan out of a plane. No, <laughs> I know some people who we can do that for. We can shoot in 4K. We can get your face. We can live stream it because that's possible now. You can live stream skydives now. That's All right. dope. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah we got we got to line this up because I yeah. love skydiving. So it'll be fun, man. It'll show people a cool experience because especially if they listen to the podcast, you can see they can see you who's afraid of heights. <laughs> Who's been in the military and who's a firefighter, right? Who's afraid of heights, which is hard for people to believe. Yeah. Jump out of a plane. And I'm going to tell you, I've never seen a sad person skydive. Nope. I have seen them throw up, but they do it with a smile. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Well, cool. Thanks a lot, Kyle. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for coming out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. Stay tuned to hear a few words from Co Keith on how you can help out the podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Turn on notifications to get all the latest episode drops. Now, a word from Coho Keith. That's right, guys. You can now help out the podcast. It is official. We are now ambassadors of the veteran-owned, veteran-operated, We Defy the Norm clothing brand. Take control of your life or be controlled. Head on over to the Instagram page and click the link in the bio and be sure to use the debrief table at checkout to get yourself a 10% discount. With your purchase, you are not only helping a veteran-owned company, but you are also helping the growth and development of yours truly, the debrief table. Thanks for all the love and support. You guys are much appreciated.